Hello, and welcome to Self-Doubt Sandwich, personal essays disguised as a weekly podcast. Practical stuff paired with witchy stuff along with a sandwich that will feed your body and maybe even your soul. Sometimes inspirational, sometimes desolate, desolate, always honest. I'm your host, Aaron Branzell, and this is episode seven. My body is a temple, but my body is a bitch. It's time for self-doubt sandwich. This episode is dedicated to an individual that I had the honor of interacting with due to my job at the clinic. And um, this person is somebody who had a friend who had some serious health concerns, but also not a lot of cash flow. And in order to get this friend to the clinic, um, they arranged the whole appointment, they scheduled the appointment, they made it very clear once arriving that they would be covering the financial part of the appointment. They went and picked up the friend and brought him to the clinic. And obviously I don't want to get into too much more detail because these are real people and they deserve their privacy. This, they're, It's not my story to tell. But I could just uh, tell just from the brief minutes that I was in contact with this person, what a good heart he had. And he was also very handsome, you know, and that doesn't hurt for someone to be like a good person and also handsome. So I don't know your name. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't say it to um, protect your own privacy. But this episode is dedicated to you and your generosity and radical presence and love. It's small victory time, and I just went to take a sip of the tea that I made before I started recording, and it is still too hot, but that has nothing to do with my small victory. My small victory, oh gosh, am I ready to talk about this? My small victory is that I found and purchased my wedding dress. I'm being silent right now to give you guys time to cheer for me. Um, so why is this a small victory? One, I do not like wearing dresses. I'm just going to start with that. Not really into it. Um, when I was teaching, I did have some, some phases where I did get into dresses and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool because you don't have to make the same amount of decisions when you're getting into the outfit. You don't have to decide like what shirt and what pants am I going to wear? You just pick a dress. And the whole like lack of a waistband can be very great. I love sleeping in dresses. Um, but for the most part, I don't really like to wear dresses. I have never been the person to fantasize about what my wedding dress would look like. So I went into the experience not even knowing what I was looking for. 
partly because just not knowing my own bridal style and also not knowing what, what would look good on my body. Um, because I, for one, try to avoid even considering what looks good on my body versus what looks bad on my body because, like, I mean, I don't know, most women or even just most humans, I have body image issues from time to time and it's better for me just to like focus on the the clothes that make me feel good and not like get too far out of my comfort zone and wheelhouse when it comes to like different cuts and different styles that ooh might be so much more flattering or whatever that's a whole other thing so I had been Put another, like, just to paint the whole picture is I'm having a small wedding. It's basically a planned elopement. We've invited our parents. And even if we were to have a big, not even big, just like a quote-unquote normal wedding with like a wedding party and a full ceremony and reception, most of, actually all of the people who I would invite to be my bridesmaids live at least an hour away from me. And then most of them live even farther than an hour away from me. So um, going for like a traditional bridal gown shopping excursion would have been difficult even if I was having a normal wedding. And I'm certainly not going to ask anyone to like travel to do this with me when they're not even invited to the wedding. Um, so I needed to, like, I was like, this isn't something I want to do by myself. I'm not that much of a lone wolf. Um, so it just so happened that a few months back, you know, I asked my future mother-in-law if she would be wanting to go dress shopping with me the day after Thanksgiving, AKA Black Friday, not in hopes of like snagging up a Black Friday deal, but just because we were gonna be down at her house anyway for Thanksgiving and my fiance was gonna be fishing and so the timing just worked out. I'm all about convenience, guys. Um, And I think I'm realizing this in my journey towards being a bride is that I am super uncomfortable with people making any sort of sacrifices for me or me being the center of attention. And that's something that I'm just going to like tuck away and like maybe work on in the new decade. But it's also just how I am. And maybe it's not something that I need to work on. Maybe that's just my tendencies. And I, even while I did not know what kind of wedding dress I wanted, I did know that I didn't want it to be a big huge deal. I wanted it to feel good and feel special but it did not need, need to be a huge big deal. So I knew I didn't want to go to a store that was specifically for bridal dresses like David's Bridal or any of you like even like local boutique stores and I made that clear to my future mother-in-law Lynn and so we made plans just to go to Macy's and last week as the day got closer, I started having a lot of anxiety about it because of all the unknowns and because I was super scared of having a body image crisis. Like I was super scared that all the dresses that I picked off the racks would all look terrible on me and I wouldn't feel like a bride and I would feel 
gorged and like a whale or whatever. I'm just being honest. Um, and I wouldn't, I would have to just wear a paper sack on my wedding day. And I kept these concerns mostly to myself just because, again, I didn't even feel like worthy enough to share them. Um, I did, I did mention it to a few people more after the fact, like, oh, I'm so glad it went well and I didn't have a body image crisis. So yeah, um, the day came, it happened. Uh, we went to Macy's at first. It was at first it felt super odd. Um, my nephew was still there. He was going to get picked up by his grandpa. My nephew was there. So it was kind of weird to get into the the groove when you're with the little little six-year-old boy who definitely does not want to be shopping for dresses and can you blame him I barely wanted to be dressing shopping for dresses as a 33 year old bride to be um and like I couldn't I like at the first couple areas we were in like there were like no white dresses which I was like maybe we're not in the right place maybe or maybe I do I not wear white what do I do I'm like fumbling just trying to tell the story because that's how I was and then I kind of just took a step away from my mother-in-law and my nephew and knowing that they were there in the vicinity I just kind of embarked on my own thing and like grabbed like seven or eight dresses and felt myself get into the groove and so I guess I did have to do a little bit of a lone wolf thing um, even though they were around and the trying on process was also wonderful. One another one of the things that I knew, <clears throat> sorry, I'm having a throat thing happen. One of the other things I did know about my wedding dress, even though I didn't even know what color it would be or what it would look like, I knew that I wanted to be able to put it on myself. Like I just no judgment to people who need like a swarm of bridesmaids to help you in your dress. That's beautiful. I love it. You'd keep doing you. But I just wanted to be able to put the dress on myself. And so all of these dresses, like they all had zippers in the back, but I have pretty, I don't know, I have pretty flexible arms and like shoulder area. So I was able to just do like a little shimmy and get all of my dresses except for like the first one, because I was not aware of my shimmying abilities at that point. I was able to get all my dresses, um, you know, on myself. The first time I walked out, felt a little awkward. There were like other people around just like shopping for sweaters or some stuff. Um, but Lynn was the like so choice to be shopping with. She's very effusive and exuberant about, uh, clothes and I could tell by her reactions you know that things were going well like the first the first three dresses I tried on all like fit me well and they made me feel beautiful maybe not that made me feel like a bride because those weren't the ones I ended up going with but it was a much better experience than I was thinking it would be even um and definitely was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be so Long story short, uh, the very last dress that I tried on was the one that we went with for various reasons that I'm not going to get into in case my fiance 
does actually decide to catch up on all of my podcast episodes and hears this. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was right. I, it all happened and it was actually a dress that my, that Lynn picked out herself and it was like the only one of its kind. So it was, there was like this mystical, magical quality to it as well. And we also got sandals to go with it. And I'm just, um, I'm feeling exactly how I want to feel about it. Like it's not something that's like bringing me this insane amount of joy because dresses have never brought me an insane amount of joy, but it's something that I feel very content with. And I'm not like second guessing myself about like, well, shouldn't I be more excited about my dress because I'm a bride and I'm getting married and I'm having this like radical time of not comparison, not comparison, not comparing my experience to whatever experience I think I should be having and feeling really at home with myself and my own experience. And I guess that is the even bigger small victory um, that not only did I find my dress, but I am finding myself in the chaos. Um, I'm not trying to look for some idealized version of bridal me that doesn't exist. I'm just welcoming myself home. Girl is soaking in self-doubt I'm going to start by saying that I'm not entirely sure where this is going and I'm not entirely sure that this will be interesting to anybody besides me because it's mostly just about me. But is that really a new thing? No. Um, so self-doubt. Um, this, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call it specifically, explicitly self-doubt, but it's definitely what I'm grappling with to use that beautiful buzzword it's definitely what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about and so I'm just selfishly using up the next 10 minutes or so to continue help me help to continue to help me process it with the hopes that maybe it will help get your mind thinking about it in terms of your experience because honestly the I can only speak to my experience anyway. So these two questions have been circulating my brain, which is, um, what do I take with me? Like not after I die, because I don't take anything with me after I die. But what do I take with me? Um, you know, it's the end of the year. It's the end of a decade. It's the end of a um, solar year for me, uh, tomorrow is my birthday. So I'm, there's a lot of like closing up and wrapping up, which I learned that that's kind of, um, the, just the general collective energy that we're into just being December. So just what do I take with me into the new year, the new calendar year, the new solar year for myself, the new decade, what do I take with me both internally and externally? What do I leave behind? What do I 
cling to in like a positive way and like make space for in my life and say, no, you're not going in the garbage dump. You're not going in the yard sale pile or the goodwill donation bin. You are staying here with me. Um, I am intentionally keeping you and making you a part of my life, whether it's an external physical thing or an internal emotional spiritual thing. And I've kind of been in that season for a while of like purging because we are getting ready for this move. And anytime you move, it's a great opportunity to decide what do you want to take with you? What do you want to keep? And what do you either want to uh, give away or sell or just throw out because it's past? I hate to just think of my stuff filling up a landfill, but some things are just past their usage um, and there's no other appropriate place for them but the trash. And um, so, yeah, I've kind of been gently working my way around the house and, and purging things anyway, but I'm really feeling it heavily as we move into this month of December And it's not like a bad thing, but it's just really occupying a lot of space. And it's, there's a lot of back and forth action too, where, you know, I might grab something off the shelf or from a drawer and put it in that pile, whatever it, whatever it's, it's a pile that I'm not keeping, but then I second guess myself or I have doubts about whether I'm really ready to go, ready to let go of that. And so I might snatch it back up. Just this morning, I was looking through some bags of clothes that I had separated out and took another, took a shirt back out of it and said, you know what, like I, I think I still like this shirt. I think I could still wear this shirt. So it's just something that's been happening. Not a bad thing. It's just something that's been happening. And then the second part of that question or the follow-up question to the question of what do I take with me is where does everything go? And I mentioned this. A couple weeks ago, I think, uh, when we were first heading into Scorpio season and I felt like I was really in a time in my life where I was concerned with organization and I definitely still feel, feel like I'm like in the tail end of that wrapping up, like how do I organize things? And I am not a hoarder by any means of the words, but I do accumulate things. And so, you know, there's things that I have decided to intentionally keep and make space for in my life. But then the question turns into, well, where does everything go? There's an organization of that. And, you know, just this morning, I was kind of tidying up the guest room, which is where I do my, I swear I record my podcast. It's where I do like my morning practices. It's where I keep all of my stuff that I wouldn't want to engage in, in the bedroom anyway, because we're pretty strict about like the bedroom is just for sleeping. It's not, we don't hang out in there during the day or anything. So, um, these are things that I want to be able to engage in during the day. And it's funny because my dad, who it's his birthday today, so he's a fellow Sagittarius, and he, uh, I don't, he always has, like, he has this recliner, and then he has, like, this bookshelf, this tiny bookshelf that is just filled with, like, 
books and papers and not knickknacks, like they're all pretty like functional things, but he tries to keep it confined to that space because otherwise it might drive my mom crazy with just his stuff that he sees the value in, but maybe not everyone else does because they're just, they're, you know, that's just how it is. So I've, it's funny seeing how you take on these habits of your parents as you grow older, because I definitely have that happening, perhaps even in a bigger way than my dad. I have my desk with a basket full of books and notebooks and some art supplies. And then I have a, a, uh, a bookshelf behind me with other books and mostly like tarot decks and tarot books and old college writing that I'm, you know, still keeping, but in order for it to even be of any use to me, I'd need to make a digital copy. So I need to work on typing it out and using it for my portfolio in some way. And I got rid of a lot of my old college writing too, but I still have some of it. And yeah, organization is a big thing for me too. I just, um, between having our nephew stay the night before Thanksgiving and then getting all of the Christmas stuff out of the closet Sunday and just kind of being in this continual purging state, the this room that I try to do a lot of work in was a little bit chaotic. So even before I could do anything today, I had to do just some tidying up, some organizing. I've noticed that I really, I don't work very well in a noisy space if the noise is created by stuff. Sound is one thing that I can find ways to drown out or whatever, but if the noise is made by stuff, I really can't handle it. Everything needs to be like organized. And so I spent some time doing that today. Didn't even really get rid of a whole lot of stuff, just kind of reorganized stuff. And I have all these different writing supplies too, right? I have like all of the regular pens and pencils that I would use for just writing. And then I have these Sharpie markers and colored pencils and glitter pens that I would not normally use, but I don't want to get rid of them because they're valuable art supplies. And so I found a new place for those, but now I'm having doubts about whether that's the best space for them because they're in this bag now. And for me, it's like if it's out of sight, out of mind type of thing. So I'm like, well, I'm never, I'm like legit never going to use these art supplies because they're just in a bag, in this like beautiful bag, uh, but they're in this bag, but I have this crate full of knitting supplies. Same thing. I'm like, well, I haven't knitted in months, but I'll probably knit sometime in the future. And I already made the mistake once in my life of getting rid of all of my knitting supplies and having to rebuy everything years later when I got back into it. So I was like, I know this is going to happen again. It's a cyclical thing where I'm going to get into knitting again and I don't want to have to buy a bunch of stuff again. So I'm going to keep it. But I realized the crate was only like half full. So I condensed it and I put all of this paper and these manila envelopes and these regular white envelopes and these notebooks that have not been used yet but are waiting to be used and little spiral mini notebooks, all of this random paper supplies that I don't want to get rid of. I'm making a space for them in my life because I know I will use them eventually. But it's like, where do they go before I use them? And it's just organization. Um, yeah. And I just have like all these print out, printouts of these online workshops that 
I've either purchased or were for free, and so I printed them out. Haven't done most of them, but I want to, so I'm keeping them, you know, but at the same time, will I ever do them? I don't know, but I feel like it's just spitting in the face of the environment to get all those printed out and then to not even use them, so I'm hanging on to them. Birthday cards. Oh my gosh. I have accumulated, again, not a hoarder, but I really have a hard time letting go of birthday cards. And just last week, I cut down my lifetime collection of birthday cards by about 50%. I took one last look at them. I thanked them for their service and I sent them on their way, you know, um, because I realized that Getting rid of birthday cards doesn't mean that like I love those people any less. Uh, It's just kind of part of the cycle again. And I never actually look at those birthday cards. Those birthday cards aren't what makes me feel loved and valuable. They're just signifiers of that. And, you know, you don't need to keep every signifier around. Um, Although I will say that there are several birthday cards that I just couldn't get rid of, especially the ones from my fiance or from like my friends that I'm still like really good friends with now. I like to keep those around. Then there's these two that one of them's from my dad and one of them's from my mom, which that's so boss that they were like buying me separate birthday. Like, I don't know, was I that demanding of a kid that I needed birthday cards from each of my parents? That was just a thing that they did when I was younger. I must've been like five or six, but I have this um, card is one of those cards that like folds out into a tri type of thing and it's six different dancing bears with ballerina tutus and I distinctly remember begging my mom to buy this card for me for my birthday and I was no not shy in letting her know that that's the card that I wanted for my birthday I guess maybe this is where my obsession with birthday cards began um, and My mother was not known for indulging my every want and desire, but she did get me this card and she wrote on it in green marker, love mommy XXOOXOXOXO. That's such a, like an interesting pattern. I don't know where that came from, but like also on the back, what I did in like a darker green marker was write her name because I think I was. I I wish I knew how old I was. My parents did not date these, but I think they might've been from the same year. And I was just starting to realize that my parents had identities outside of being my parents. And I was like really into knowing their first name and knowing more things about them and learning that about them. And then this other one, it's this, um, horse that it's like a carousel horse. So it's a horse but it's a carousel horse and it's like decorated with all the carousel stuff. Like it's a horse, but there's also cheetahs on its decor and like a tiger in the background. And the top of it is cut out in the shape of the horse. And on the inside, it says daddy, it just says daddy. And again, with the X, X, O, X, O, X, O, X, O. And I remember asking, you know, what the X's and the O's meant. And I was taught by my parents that the X's were kisses and the O's were hugs. Um, and I remember learning that because that was not a thing that, you know, you just came on earth knowing. 
But then on this one too, I wrote on the opposite side, in that same marker that I wrote Anne, I wrote John. And I don't know, maybe this is just my ego being so obsessed with me writing these down, but I could never get rid of these cards. One, because the first card is like I specifically asked my mom for it, like a little brat, and she got it for me. And then this one, like just daddy, you know, like it's just, it's just too good. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so with these birthday cards and oh, so many photos, I went through my photos on Sunday, got rid of a lot of photos, got rid of a lot of bad photography experiments that I did when I was younger, lots of doubles of photos and just things that I didn't need anymore. You know, I didn't need to take them with me. I didn't want to take them with me, but I actually kept a lot of photos of me as a teenager, even the ones where I look like terrible and embarrassing because ego, you know, like I get ego. And also I was just thinking like, well, you know, my kids might want to know like what I looked like when I was young like that. And I have pictures that my mom has taken, but the pictures that like you take of yourself or your friends take of you are different than the pictures that your mom's taken. And I've just realized I've just totally gone I don't even, I'm not even talking about self-doubt anymore. I'm just talking about these things. But um, yeah, just I've been thinking about this question of what do I take with me and where does everything go? And so far, I've been think I've been talking about this external stuff. I've been talking about getting rid of photos and organizing art supplies and like bags, you know, like because you want to keep bags because bags can be very useful because they carry things. But at the same time, how many bags do you really need to keep? I've been downsizing my books. I've already donated a lot of them. And I've also uh, I sent out pictures to some family members today saying like, do you want any of these? I'll, you know, reserve them for you. We're hoping to have a yard sale this Sunday. So, you know, but then I'm also thinking of internal things too, uh, you know, like memories and like hangups and what do I take with me in regards to like past pain? Like what do I still stay angry about? What do I let go? What do I still spend time being sad about? Like what do I still spend time being happy about even if it is regarding somebody who's not in my life anymore or who actually caused me pain but maybe a random memory pops up and it brings me happiness like past goals just to flip it back to external again I have a bin in my guest room closet that is full of horseback riding equipment that I can't get rid of you know um pants and a helmet and boots and gloves that I don't want to get rid of because I'm not ready to let that part of my life go because I might be that 34-year-old woman that I used to make fun of as an 11-year-old kid who gets back into horseback riding, you know, the first love. Um, I don't have any explicit plans for that, but I remain open to the experience. You know, and just really thinking about triggers and like hang-ups and why I feel the way about certain things, which... Uh, relationships in my life to nurture and to spend time on and which ones to just kind of give space to uh, as far as like almost seeing my life like a garden which ones 
like where, what areas need to be weeded out, which areas just need some fresh air and some sunshine, which ones need to be watered. This is just, these are just things that I'm thinking about. And I'm thinking about it in terms of like ego versus soul. And I feel like the ego wants us to be weighed down and wants us to be heavy, not in a, like a scale way, like a body way, but like a, like wants us to have lots of stuff because if we have lots of stuff, then maybe we won't go off on some adventure where we might be unsafe. And if we have lots of stuff emotionally, that'll just keep us in our same patterns, which according to the ego and the brain has kept us safe so far. So why would we want to change it? But meanwhile, the soul is so like about being free and about being light. And when I see the, when I see the ego and the soul as, as travelers, like the ego needs like two U-Haul trucks and a trailer, right? And the soul just has a little hiker's backpack. And while I by no means am ever going to get my physical stuff down to just needing a hiker's backpack, I would love to be that way about the things that I carry with me emotionally. Um, You know, hanging on to the good stuff intentionally and intentionally letting go of the stuff that just, you know, I don't need anymore. I don't want to keep being sad about or I don't want to keep being angry about. And so I've been talking about this for a long time. And um, just to wrap it up with that whole ego versus soul thing, I'm trying to follow my soul on this as far as how many coffee mugs to keep and how many pictures to throw out or keep, uh, which short stories from my college career do I hang on to. Um, Obviously, I'm keeping all of my tarot decks, but um, still keeping open about that too, like how I could give them away card by card to people. And I actually already started that with the Wild Unknown deck that I never really clicked with. And well, I bought it a couple summers ago and it really served me very well just for that summer. And then it was kind of not something, not a relationship that I wanted to explore anymore. It's a beautiful deck, just not one one that I wanted to work with. And I already gave away a card from that deck and I'd be totally willing to do that more. Anyway, I'm just thinking about space and intention. And I just went to rub my eye and forgot that I'd already put makeup on. So that's where I'm at right now. All you talk about is sandwiches. Talk some more. Sandwiches. Okay. So we just celebrated Thanksgiving, a time of gluttony and food and land grabbing and shopping. And so I really am left with no other choice for my sandwich this week but to talk about the left, the Thanksgiving leftover turkey sandwich. Now, this is a highly talked about subject, what to do with 
Thanksgiving leftovers. I was just talking about like what what do I take with me? What do I keep? And where does a wow? And where do I put it? The same questions apply for Thanksgiving leftovers. I might I dare to say. And well, the first answer for what do I take with me is everything. Obviously, um, I sometimes even buy an extra can of cranberry sauce to have with my leftovers because even though I'm the only person that likes cranberry sauce, really, it always ends up getting eaten uh, because it's just a small can. Anyway, there's lots of different ways to do a leftover Thanksgiving sandwich. I keep saying, I feel like it should be Thanksgiving leftover sandwich, but I don't know. So... There's different ways to do it. I know that some people, myself in the past included, like to put not just the turkey, but like the stuffing, the green bean casserole, the cranberry, and make that as part of the sandwich as well. I'm not at all opposed to that. If that's your jive, then like keep on jiving. But I know that this this most recent Thanksgiving, I kept it really simple and elegant and classy, just like the wedding dress I just bought. (laughs) Um, Oh God. Um, And just kept it turkey, mayo, salt. And I actually, uh, so I have not had a leftover turkey sandwich today, but I've had two since Thanksgiving. So I have lots of experience to draw upon. And yes, I have been mostly vegetarian, since about October, <clears throat> and I didn't actually have any turkey on Thanksgiving, uh, during Thanksgiving dinner, because that's not my favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner anyway. I don't really like eating just hot, plain turkey, and I feel like it takes up valuable real estate in my stomach, where instead there could be candied yams and pumpkin pie. And so I just decided to stay vegetarian for that day, but then after a you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just after a very exuberant day of shopping, uh, because we, you know, we got the wedding dress and then we also went to H&M and got some stuff there and just dipped into a few other stores. We were both voraciously hungry and I could not wait to dig into the leftovers. So my future mother-in-law, Lynn, had brioche bread as well. So that's what I had my first leftover turkey sandwich on. I had it on brioche bread with mayo, cold turkey, but like shredded. I like to pull it apart a little bit and plenty of salt. Mayo on both sides of the bread. Shake the salt like five times past when you think you should stop. That's how much salt. Um, And it was delicious. And because I have such a passion for Thanksgiving sides, I kind of want to be able to experience them. in in all their worth and glory. And so I didn't put them in the sandwich. I actually didn't even heat them up this first time eating leftovers. I ate them cold. I love eating cold food, like food cold that you're supposed to eat hot. I just feel like you can taste the flavors even more. And sometimes, you know, with leftovers, when you heat them up, you run the risk of them overcooking or getting dried out or just not being as well. Um, and when you keep them cold, it's just a whole different experience. So there's no comparison happening. It's just a new experience. And so that was really, really delicious. And 
Then the next day, I had another Thanksgiving leftover sandwich, uh, another turkey sandwich. This time, I warmed up my leftovers. This time, I also warmed up my turkey. This is something I like to do. Keep the bread cold, keep the mayo cold, keep the salt room temperature. Turkey, warm it up a little bit. Again, shred it. I think I might have overdone it on the salt this second time. I'm just going to go ahead and be honest and open about that. But you just, you just gotta, you gotta salt it. And yeah, I've seen, um, actually this singer who, he's a folk singer and I'm friends with him on Facebook along with like a bunch of my family members because they've met him at various, uh, music venues throughout the years. His name is Vance Gilbert. He always posts about his like Thanksgiving leftover sandwich and he is one of the ones who like puts everything on the bread and I think that's great. I just, that's, it's not the route I chose this year. And I actually still have Thanksgiving leftovers in my fridge, but it's getting to that point where it's time to move on. You know, speaking of what do we want to take with me? Where does it go? It's kind of time to move on. But I really enjoyed those two turkey sandwiches. I'm back to being a mostly vegetarian person, but it was great, delicious. And yeah, that is my sandwich for the week. Safe, 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 safe spaces. So I am choosing for my safe space today or this week something very obvious. It's breathing. It's a something our bodies do automatically without us having to actually think about it. Unless we've been in a terrible accident and we're on life support, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. But it's interesting because breathing is something that happens without us needing to do anything about it, and yet we can still influence how it happens. We can still make intentional choices about whether to take short, shallow breaths or whether to take deep belly breaths and because breathing is such a vital part of staying alive, how you do it matters. And that it makes sense that how you do it matters because you have to do it. Um, just doing it is necessary. But then you think about different, there's so many different qualities of life out there in the world and breathing influences your quality of life. And breathing is something that uh, helps me all the time, every day, but it especially helped me get through the, um, the holidays of, well, not the holidays, there's nothing to get through with the holidays, but the, the day after the shopping and the Black Friday stuff, um, you know, I already talked about my experience of getting my wedding dress, so I'm not going to rehash that, but Outside of it being, um, oh, I'm shopping for my wedding dress, it was also Black Friday. And so there were a lot of people at the mall and I was with one person essentially all day and that's my future mother-in-law and she's delightful and that, you know, that wasn't the problem. But I am, as I grow older, I am realizing that, you know, I'm a sensitive person and I'm very aware of other people's energies and I get really worn out by just being around people all day. And so that's what was happening 
And there were certain moments of the day on Friday where I was really struggling to stay present and to stay kind in the midst of all of the consumer chaos happening all around me. And you know what? Something just like reminded me to just take big breaths. And I did. And I was somehow surprised by how much of a positive effect that had. I almost like reunited with the whole idea of breathing because again, it's an involuntary thing that our body does without us having to think about it. But yet when we do think about it, we can bring about so much change. Uh, We can literally calm our nervous system. We can soothe our nervous system, which is what I did whilst out shopping and again just being on all day being in the company of another person all day um, it can be a little bit tiring even if that person is a great person to spend time with and so breathing really helped me just in the car as we were driving in the mall as we were navigating the crowds and so I just want to offer up this duh piece of you know information that Yes, we're going to breathe no matter what, but we get to choose how to breathe. And right now I'm like not actually breathing very well because I'm like taking these huge gulps of air and then like talking these long strings of sentences. But, you know, it's just, it's an automatic recenter for us just breathing. So that has been my safe space. And I mean, it's literally like hashtag forever safe space because it keeps us alive, but especially this season um, amidst the holiday stuff, amidst so much change and so much still unknown, it is great to know that I can just take a couple deep breaths and feel better. I ought to feel special Here's a shout out. Shout out. So for my shout out, I'm going to give my shout out to somebody that I've already mentioned quite a few times in this particular episode, and that is to Lynn Schalmoser, my future mother-in-law. And I won the fucking lottery when it comes to mother-in-laws, people. Um, You know all those stories that people tell of like controlling crazy mother-in-laws or Uh, having to prove yourself to your boyfriend's mom or having like passive aggressive um, interactions about, you know, your body or how you take care of her son or any, none of those things, any of those things, none of those things um, are at all anything that I could tell a story about because since the moment that I met her, she has been nothing but kind and welcoming and supportive of me and we have become shopping partners extraordinaire we spent the entire day together last Friday and not once did she stop being this exuberant blooming flower of a woman and if it sounds like I'm going like if I'm over like if I'm exaggerating listen I'm not okay this is how she is she loves to shop she loves to talk She loves beautiful things like watches and jewelry and houses and clothes and that's where she finds her joy and 
it's not always relatable for me, but it's still something fun to be a part of and to witness. And she is the perfect addition to my life in terms of moms because she's the perfect complement to the mom that I already have because she is so different um, from the mom that I, my, my mom mom. And she's like everything that my mom is not. And I don't mean that like in a bad way. I don't mean that she makes up for my mom's deficiencies. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that she is, there's, you know, there's beauty in contrast and they are conscious of either, but yet they get to, they get along swimmingly too, which is just another reason to shout out Lynn. Um, But yeah, and just the fact that she loves to shop, she loves going out to eat. Neither of those things does my mom take particular pleasure in. And I'm kind of in the middle where like sometimes I like doing those things and sometimes I don't. So it's great to have, you know, people in my life who feel different ways about those things because I feel different ways about those things depending on my mood. Um, And, you know, not to mention, yeah, big deal. Like she raised the man that I'm going to marry this month and obviously had so much to do with the empathetic, compassionate, giving, generous, loving person that he is. And so I just am full of love for this woman, have been for a while, but especially now, just the season of entering into a different level of relationship with both him and her, you know, legally, becoming my mother-in-law couldn't be more happy about it I've actually joked to people that I'm marrying him because of her (laughs) which is a joke like obviously I'm marrying him because I want to marry him for many many reasons but it doesn't hurt you know it doesn't hurt that the man that I'm marrying has a bomb ass mom who I get to claim now legally as my mother-in-law well soon in the next couple weeks um but yeah that is sorry I just got distracted because uh somebody was dragging a big tree branch through the yard that's not neither here nor there so shout out to my future mother-in-law May we have many more H&M visits and Starbucks chats and other things like that. Um, One last thing before I let you go, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but I wanted to be sure to mention it again, that next week, uh, next week's podcast episode will feature my second special guest, and you are really not going to want to miss this. I know that sounds really bossy, but um, we had a really great connected time of recording that episode and I'm really excited to release it out into the world next week so be sure to tune in to my special guest episode next Thursday. (music) 
Okay, we've reached the end of our time together for episode seven. This was a special episode for me to record because I actually just recorded all of the segments all in one morning, like the last hour and a half. So that doesn't always happen for me. So I enjoy the different ways of the pro. Wow. I sentences, Aaron. I've enjoyed the different processes that I've had. And sometimes I record a segment here and a segment there, but if it feels like everything is flowing together today, it's because it literally was. I even recorded it in order and everything. So here's the ending. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for um, listening. I don't know why I had to say that twice. Thank you to my brother, Ethan, for the music. You can email the podcast, aka me, selfdoubtsandwich at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram where I I reshare self-doubt-esque quotes and I also share like quotes from the actual episode. You can find me there. I also have a blog that I post to weekly. It's on WordPress. It's nothing special right now. What an advertisement, huh? I have a blog. It's nothing special, but it's just WordPress. Um, and it's called Motion and Memory, and it's at WordPress. And I also have another podcast that I do with Doug, my fiance, about the NBC television family television show family drama Parenthood. It's called Becoming Braverman. It is available places that podcasts are available. And this is where, in my notes, I just have uh, wait. I feel like I already said this, so I'm not going to say it again. The Anyway, recenter. Take a nice big breath. Uh, you know, just do the thing where you tell your friends about me and you subscribe and rate, review. Uh, you could give me as a Christmas present. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. You could just write self-doubt sandwich on an index card and put it in an envelope and then put the person's name on it. And then say, Merry Christmas. And then they open it and they're like, what is this? And they're like, it's, and then you could be like, it's a podcast for you. And there you go. Christmas shopping is done. You're welcome. I don't even want to fucking think about it. I don't even want to fucking think about it. Maybe you're right, but maybe you're wrong. You hit the lyrics, but you're singing along. You're not a po-ho, you're just a poet He's like a logo, fucking stupid And you 